In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Betches Media presents... It's one person coming in from China. It's going to disappear. One day, it's like a miracle. It will gonna all be great. We're going to be so good. This is a pandemic. The Betches Sup Podcast. No, I don't take responsibility at all. Hello, and welcome to the Sup Daily Coronacast. I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And the Coronacast is your daily rundown of all the latest news on COVID-19, how we're getting through it, and just how close we are to ending this crisis. Let's get into it. Ugh. Good morning. I don't know why, like, the days for me have gone by so slow that it feels like morning until late afternoon. Yeah, it, it's the, the entire sense of, like, time and everything has really dissolved. Like, days of the week, who cares? Like, it's it's very hard to keep track of things, but yeah. It's no. very hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's also, like, morning, like, eight minutes ago, so. Exactly, exactly, true. Yeah. I haven't fully transitioned yet into, into afternoon. Um, <laughs> Hopping into today's top headlines. So the good news, we'll start with some good news for some people. Most people have received their stimulus payments by now. I think if you haven't, they're saying like you should look into it. But if you, yeah, if you like you haven't gotten yours and you don't know the reason, then you should look into it. So yay, hopefully you got that, that direct deposit. Yes. Exactly. Yes. Yes. So that should offer some relief to some people, hopefully, and hopefully there's more coming, but hopefully that today's a good day for some people. Exactly. Yeah. On the other hand, so as of today, about 26,000 Americans have died of COVID-19. About They're saying that about 10,000 people have died in New York City. Um, we talked about this on a podcast last week, and I'm sure you read about this too, Caitlin, that like a lot, there was just a huge amount of people dying in their homes compared to this time last year that were very suspected of having died of COVID but hadn't been tested post-mortem. Um, and a number of those, the city, I think all of them actually, the city has decided to presume those positives, bringing the total number of New Yorkers dead to 10,000, which is just like so sobering and upsetting and crazy when you think of like, that's like what, three 9-11s? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Shocking. It's, it's, yeah, inside, inside New York City itself, but like from even a broader perspective, I mean, it's it's a huge number of people across the country um, to be lost who who weren't like expecting, um, you know, because you have regular morbidity rates. So like this is just like a huge additional burden on all of these systems, on people, on the lives that we were all all leading. Especially in New York, it's been super crazy. Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of why this all happened and who's to blame for why we weren't better prepared, yesterday, after about a week of laying blame on the World Health Organization and claiming they didn't do enough to warn or prepare the globe for a pandemic of this scale, President Trump announced that he plans to halt all U.S. funding to the organization while he does some sort of review. So he's especially furious for a few reasons. Number one, the WHO never really applauded his ban on travel from China and later Europe. Um, Their guidance sort of says that that's not super effective and can divert resources, especially if an outbreak is kind of already present, which is kind of where we were at 
at that point. Um, I mm -hmm. think we already had cases in Washington. And the president can't really, he just can't handle criticism of, of, of any kind. So he's lashing out at them. Um, he's also kind of raging that the WHO didn't raise the alarm on China's lack of transparency. They didn't really do a better job of saying like, hey, this actually could be worse than we think. And the WHO has definitely received criticism from a broad range of, of people for its early response to the outbreak. But generally, there's still kind of an agreement that this isn't the time to defund like a credible global organization working to develop like kits and vaccines to address this. Um, plus, the U.S. is like we're big, their biggest funder. We gave them, I think we gave them about just over $500 million last year, and its budget is around $6 billion every two years. So that's a huge, huge chunk of this. And this comes as like the Gate Foundation is their second biggest donor. They're still supporting them. And today, uh, the U.K. announced plans to increase funding to the group. So it just feels like a living nightmare to see a headline that like U.S. president defunds World Health Organization during a global pandemic. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Trump is so many, so many things, um, none of which are positive to actually solving problems. Um, you know, you're like in the middle of like a nightmare situation. He's like, you know what I'm going to do? Let's remove the, the pin from this grenade. Like, why would you do that? Why would, why would you, like, shouldn't we be trying to, like, like disarm grenades, yeah. not, like, enable them? Like, it, it should be the opposite. Well, um, that's just, like, the most of, searing um, indictment, that he has a number of qualities, none of which help with solving problems. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Um, you can kind of understand how he ended up in bankruptcy four times. Yeah. Um, he's... Uh, He's taking the time at this moment, rather than uh, getting stimulus money out as quickly as possible, uh, he has decided to add his signature to the stimulus checks. Normally, this is not done. Um, you know, we've uh, done direct cash payments to people many times over government's history. Um, in large part, you know, those are usually signed by just a random bureaucrat, um, someone who's supposed to be authorized to, like, cut checks or that kind of thing. And that way there's no credit given. There's no partisanship around it. Um, but uh, this time they're trying to accede to the president's request. So he's going to have his name somewhere near the memo line. So that way you can tell that you got your Trump check, your Trump cash, I guess, is what you're supposed to be thinking. Um, it's slowing down the delivery. Um, for those of us who don't have direct deposit set up um, for the IRS, for one reason or another, <laughs> um, that means that you have to get a paper check, and that's going to delay the issuance of paper checks to people for um, a few days, uh, according to senior IRS officials, um, according, you know, in the Washington Post. Yeah, I feel like he's definitely going to try to call this Trump cash, which reminds me of something really interesting I heard about Andrew Yang's campaign. I remember when he was trying... I think I heard him on some podcast say when he was trying to figure out what to call his UBI, he had a number of names and they found that freedom dividend was the best because Americans just love if you throw like freedom in something. <laughs> and it does sound wow. like a super Trumpy name. It's the freedom dividend. Like I'm sure had Andrew Yang not have done that, that Trump absolutely would have would have stolen that. Hey, American Fever Dream listeners, I'm here to tell you that there is no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Because now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy is here to take the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone for any occasion. And it's easy. You just tap or click 
gift mode in your Etsy app or Etsy.com and then answer a few questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And gift mode instantly gives you a curated gift idea list based on hundreds of personas. Now it is simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a Mother's Day gift for the quilter or a birthday present for the vintage hunter, there is something for everyone on Etsy. Some of my favorite things to do are go to Etsy gift mode and then search absurd things like what kind of gifts do you have with Walter Cronkite on them? What kind of gifts do you have for dachshund owners? There's jewelry, ceramic, toys, board games, all kinds of fun stuff. A gifting moment is always right around the corner, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a holiday, or even just a day to say thank you. Gift mode on Etsy has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Today's episode of American Fever Dream is brought to you by Newly. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick, but can't always afford the super high-end stuff? I have a solution for you. It's Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription rental service, and for just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles. They also have inclusive sizing up to 5X, as well as petite and maternity. You get fast, free shipping and returns and professional cleaning and newly state-of-the-art laundering facility. No laundry for you to worry about. This is the best. You just put it back in your box, send it out, and before you know it, you've got your next one. And you always have the option to buy what you love for sometimes up to 75% off. I bought the Rachel Antonoff pasta puffer from them. I was obsessed with it, like everybody who tries it is, and it was completely sold out everywhere else. So I felt like I really, really had an in there. So thank you, Newly. Newly is an amazing value at $98 a month for any six styles. And right now you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code FeverDream20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com. That's Newly with two U's and enter the code FeverDream20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com. Newly with two U's with code FeverDream20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. His eagerness to sort of throw his name on these kind of speaks to an issue we're going to talk about today, which is like the government's role in managing certain aspects of this crisis and like specifically the role federal versus state roles and just like the concept of federalism as it um, applies to all of this. Um, on Monday, Trump claimed that when somebody is the president of the United States, the authority is total and that local governments can't do anything without the approval of the president. Um, Cuomo kind of fought back there in like a dick swinging contest right now. Really fun to watch. Um, <laughs> that is Trump a great apt name for when it's happening between the governor of New York and the president. Yeah. Yes. And, <laughs> and de Blasio jumps in there when he can. When he finds an opening. So much dick swinging. Yeah. Um, so Cuomo responded that that claim is dictatorial. So now the two are bickering. Um, Trump's calling governors mutinous. Trump kind of walked it back saying um, that his, t- walked back his total authority comments saying that he's just going to authorize the government to decide what to do. This also comes as governors are making geographical packs with one another, which is like, whoa, throwback. Right now, there's like a real, to sort of coordinate their reopenings, um, because obviously it makes perfect sense, especially in New York City. It's like people are flooding the city from surrounding states all the time. The borders mean nothing. Your people are our people. Um, So right now, there's this real tension between the Trump administration and the states with regard to like who has the authority to make decisions and whose responsibility it is to address these crises and procure equipment from a healthcare perspective. Um, So, Caitlin, I think you're going to tell us a little bit about how has this conflict kind of come up before? Yeah, I mean, 
from the very beginning in U.S. history, there's been conflicts between the states and the federal government. Um, the first time we did this, like we actually didn't have a constitution for a really long time. Um, our first presidential election was 1792, which was over a decade after the war ended. Just in case you're kind of like wondering, like there, what was happening in that that meantime? Like there was something called the Articles of Confederation, um, which basically gave the states like a ton of power, and they were constantly getting in conflicts with each other, like tiny nations, and it was a mess, and they had way too much authority. So um, we, we scaled it back. So like in, from that moment where like people were like, we could definitely have a nation where we're all just different countries in effect, and they were like, no, we can't. We need to levy taxes. There's a whole bunch of rules. So then more power was taken away from states and centralized in the government, and since then we've always had these fights. The most famous yeah. one is obviously the Civil War. Um, where like a whole bunch of states were just like, nah, that guy can't be president. We refuse to authorize, like we refuse to recognize his authority. We're starting our own country, which will have slavery forever. And he was like, I didn't even say anything. Like Lincoln just got there and was like, I didn't, I didn't even say, I didn't even tell you that you couldn't have it. I just, anyway. So these fights have been going on from, um, you know, from there you're like, okay, so this is an old timey problem. Yes and no. Because, like, the modern concept of what we call, like, our government is very actually new. Only, like, half of the time that we've been in America have we had, like, a federal government that has the powers it has. Overwhelmingly, that's due to the Roosevelt's. Teddy, FDR, they both were, like, although they hated each other very deeply. Um, while, like, Teddy didn't know FDR because their careers never overlapped, but... Teddy like hated Democrats as a rule and the Democratic branch of the Roosevelt family hated the Republican side uh, as a rule. So they both hated each other for some reason, but whatever. Um, they were both very progressive. They both decided that the federal government needed way more power. And overwhelmingly that just came because there were so many problems that were happening yeah. that they were too big for states to solve by themselves. They would have toppling cascading effects into other states. They would mm -hmm. have territory that covers both, like marshlands or natural preserves or whatever, that don't stay neatly within state borders. You know, like Teddy Roosevelt created national parks. National parks overwhelmingly cross state borders. So, like, how do you manage something like that? And basically, it put a lot of power inside the federal government to coordinate and direct. And it's something called. Um, cooperative federalism. So I like created this notion that the federal government should be coordinating between state and local governments to solve problems. Even at the local level, there should be like a fed oversight energy somewhere being like, hey, how you guys doing? We, we have some standards that you guys need to meet so yeah. uh, we can help you with that. Yeah. So it sounds like, I mean, you just said the key there is cooperative federalism. And now we're yeah. talking about sort of the opposite, like real conflicts between the states seem to, they say that they're competing with one another for ventilators, but that's not an acrimonious point of view. They, they just all need them and the federal government isn't really intervening. So has this kind of conflict between, you know, who's responsible for coordinating what um, and expectations that, you know, anybody but but me will do it. Uh, how has that been solved in the past? Who, I mean, overwhelmingly, it's been the authority of presidents kind of step into those gaps. You know, generally, presidents are always like, sweet, more power. Um, so they generally do want to solve those problems because it also gives the ability to take 
credit for solving them rather yes. than letting a governor or a state official take credit for them, <laughs> which like presidents usually care a lot about legacy. Um, Donald Trump, again, aberrationally does not. <laughs> he really cares about how people view him in at any given moment. Um, so when you think about it, like when I, I look at the history of like federal state arguments, a lot of them have to do with tragically race and it has to do with a level of like inequality and not treating people as equal under the law, which is like a separate concept from like whether or not everyone is equal, like what an equal society looks like. People get like really attached to that and then they're like, you just want to bring everybody to the same level. It's like, okay, but equality under the law seems pretty easy to institute. Um, And so a lot of the problems have been in the past solved with basically guns where the federal government just like, you can't do what you want to do. We are authorizing people with guns to come to you and stop you from doing the thing that you were doing state. And like, will Trump do that this time? I find it really hard hard to find like many of the national guards in most of the blue states have been authorized to create quarantine centers and other stuff like the president resting that authority away is very unlikely um and it would be a pr disaster which is overwhelmingly why i don't expect it not because i think he's like a good person who's like hey maybe this is not time for armed conflicts with andrew cuomo no 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 it's literally because like someone's there being like Looks like it's going to look bad. You shouldn't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Really? Um, I can't shoot him on Fifth Avenue? Apparently not. At least not the governor of the state. Yeah. Um, He's social distancing anyway, so he's not on Fifth Avenue. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, like, in this this space right now, because there's no sense of legacy and no sense of, like, I want to solve the problem, um, the federal Mm. government's very incoherent. And there's... There's, there's, that's why the state basically started going to be like, okay, we're going to create our own federal government. It's kind wow. of weird where they're just like, okay, we should have this authority. There's a big power vacuum. It's, it's, there's a person who should be filling it. It's not like they're gone. It's not like the country collapsed. But yeah. I, there's, we're going to have to just coordinate each other. So many of them, because we have such huge economies, can just kind of like, New York is like one of the top 15 economies in the world. Yeah. California is the fifth. It's the largest economy in the world unto itself, well, in the American economy. You know, making these packs with each other allows them to bring the economic pressure to bring the co- down the cost of ventilators, especially when you think about the scale of the populations that they're talking about. It's way too big for someone to just try to be buying them on their own. Unfortunately, California, which is even bigger than New York, has managed to keep its numbers much lower, which means that when it absorbs, like, material, it can pass that out to someone else without necessarily worrying that it's going to undermine their own response. So that, that gives a lot yeah. of strength to like this little confederation of confederation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's dark. Um, <laughs> this little association between state governor. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Right. I know. It's so, yeah, I think that like Newsom just sent some ventilators to Cuomo and it's like such a contrast when you remember that Jared Kushner was up there saying like, no, no, there are ventilators, not the state's ventilators. But also you were talking a bit about legacy and there are some ways in which the federal government and specifically the president like seems pretty eager to be involved, which is like relieving the economic crisis. He's like more than happy to sign off on that and, and worked with the house on that and obviously wants his name on the checks. Um, 
but is has no interest in helping like relieve the healthcare response in any way. Is that politics playing a role? Like why why does it benefit him to be so involved in one but not the other? And how do you think that will affect his legacy? Because whether he cares or not, it will exist. Like, is this going to be his Katrina moment or is it going to be way worse? I mean, I've been thinking about that in this context too. Yeah, I think his Katrina moment was when he let 3,000 Americans die in Puerto Rico from neglect, which kind of set the stage for him letting thousands of Americans die of coronavirus by neglect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, like he passes prologue and whatnot. Set the stage, Um, yeah. Uh, from a political standpoint, like, well, I mean, coronavirus is a political crisis, right? Um, yeah. As much as it is a health crisis. And, um, and in that sense, like, why was he so slow to act to begin with? Um, a lot of people will say, like, he just doesn't take things seriously, blah, blah. But, like, honestly, I think it also has a lot to do with his fundamental... I believe there's, like, a unifying theory of Donald Trump. And it is that his... He does doesn't believe people are equal and he thinks that there's some people who are good and there's some people who are bad and it's the job of the government whatever structure that resembles to basically do things to help the good people and you know punish the bad people and so he's if you look at like the numbers on um the the death rate and morbidity it's overwhelmingly hitting poor weaker more vulnerable communities these first and it's hitting them worse so i think from that perspective he just doesn't care like it, it, he doesn't think that's part of his legacy because he thinks that the good people are going to write his legacy and those are the people he's helping he wants his name on money um he definitely wants to be on money holy moly um he yeah. wants to be connected to like economic he wants people to think of him as successful and wealthy and and he uh connects economic wealth with his own goodness you know that's how he defines good in many ways good Mm -hmm. people have money and bad people don't have money that's why you know they're good and bad you know good people have resources bad people don't have resources so for a long time he was just hearing from the people who have resources and overwhelmingly they were saying like we're good we've organized ourselves we've prepared and so like why does it matter um to him that people who didn't have the ability or didn't know or, or couldn't prepare or couldn't take time off, all those people are hurt. And basically he just wants uh, those people to be grateful for what they are getting from the yes. government. So yeah. And I, he, yeah, it's, yeah, I think he thinks everything's that, subordinate to exactly. Him. And I think he thinks that like, you know, good people have resources and resources also afford you health in many cases. And I was reading today that I didn't know about this, this has been happening, but the Trump administration is like fighting really hard so that schools don't have to give as many vegetables to kids, <laughs> which is just yeah. sounds like they're like sabotaging health and every, I mean, it's not hard to find examples of, of hypocrisy, obviously, but when I find them, they just, every time they sort of blow my mind. Yeah. So we'll keep watching. And it sounds like, you know, I've heard from a lot of experts that without an actual real meaningful health response, um, this is going to be the economic crisis. It's going to be worse. Like there's no such, there's no world in which the, the cure is, is worse than the disease. Um, so hopefully it'll, it'll come back around and, um, invite him. We saw good things in Wisconsin and encouraging things yes. in this week for, um, November. Hopefully we get all mail by then. And, uh, yeah, this is not, this is not going away and how he's handled it hasn't go, isn't going away. So we'll be seeing a lot of it and a lot of superstar governors come out of this too, I'm sure. 
Yeah, and I think it's really important to kind of establish a view of Donald Trump where you kind of have to we kind of have to start thinking about like reorganizing our system and our country absent him. You know, like in many ways, oh. just as the the many presidents and particularly the Roosevelts reset American government by like pulling power into the presidency and saying like these problems cannot get solved unless someone's making decisions at a, at a higher, higher federal purpose at, at, unless someone is saying hey let's organize let's see how to solve these problems and let's coordinate the resources we have with the ones that are at the local level without that there can't really be a fundamental like resolution to this right right so like in many ways we're gonna have to start thinking okay donald trump is not gonna be part of the solution how do we build one without him you know, how when we how do we build one going into november without you know mm-hmm. poking him without trying to bring him in because he's just gonna mess up everything we try to do so yeah. as americans like that's also part of it and defend your post office yes yes, yes office. totally please yeah oh god yeah <laughs> words that nobody should have to say defend today. the post office awesome thanks so much caitlin <laughs> Yeah. Until the end of COVID-19, I'm Amanda Duberman. I'm Caitlin Bird. And this is the Betches Up Podcast. The Betches Up Podcast is produced by Amanda Duberman. Our podcast managers are Mike Coscarelli and Sean Kilby. Social media by Amanda Duberman. Artwork by Brittany Levine. The Sup is created by Sammy Fishbein. Be sure to follow us at Betches underscore Sup on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And send your emails to Sup at Betches.com. 